It's time for the Manufacturing Austin Podcast, sponsored by Texas Mutual. Welcome. My name is Ed Latson. I'm the Executive Director for ARMA, and this is the Manufacturing Austin Podcast, a new series bringing executives and thought leaders from around Central Texas to you to discuss ideas relevant to industry. I'd like to thank Texas Mutual for being our sponsor. Our first guest is Troy Mills with Applied Materials. He's the Vice President leading their supply chains, and uh, I can't imagine anybody more interesting to talk to today than a guy with 20 years of experience managing global business. Uh, Troy, this has been an unprecedented time. Uh, certainly with this pandemic, we've had more disruptions than uh, any time I can remember. What's it been like for you guys? Well, first of all, thanks, Ed, for having me here today. Um, and and if, if I'm the best guest you got, then that's not super saying a whole lot for you. But nonetheless, uh, no, man, what a year it has been, 2020, right? If it could go wrong, it has gone wrong. Um, that being said, um, our industry, you know, we are we're very lucky. Uh, as, as, as Gary Dickerson, our CEO, said, we're very blessed to be in part of an industry that has been very robust throughout the entire, the, the entire year. Um, Wafer Fab Equipment, we, the acronym is WFE, uh, is the, the place that we play. And it has been extremely, extremely strong. And we actually are seeing that the future is quite bright for our industry. Uh, and I'm sure as we continue the conversation, you'll ask me some questions. We'll talk a little bit about some of the challenges. But uh, very difficult year, very rewarding year. And applied materials, our industry is set up for a very bright future. Well, you know, that's good to hear because um, I always say applied materials makes more of an impact in Central Texas business than any other um, company. And that's because your supply chain locally is so deep. But um, let's, let's go back to uh, January when this was really starting to crank up. We, we see Chinese companies shutting down, um, Asia really um, stopping to be a reliable spire base. Give us some perspective on what you're thinking at that time. Did you see this rolling out all the way into the United States? Yeah. So, um, so first of all, I would tell you that that no, we, we never dreamed that we would experience what we what we saw. Um, it was an an interesting year in the way it rolled out. We were having a supplier uh, conference at Applied Materials in Austin, um, and we had multiple suppliers, many suppliers that had landed and and were in the Austin facility. And word had started coming out early that morning that China was shutting down significant parts of their country due to the coronavirus. And uh, it all began on that, I believe it was a Tuesday, it all began on that day. And it really cascaded throughout the world. We've seen it in the news, but it, when it comes to industry, we saw the exact same thing. We saw it started in China, uh, moved on into Europe, saw it in the United States. Then we see it in, in uh, South America, Australia. And, and it was really a roving virus, of course. And, and we saw the impact on a rolling basis throughout industry. And, and the pattern was very, very similar across the board. What we saw play out in China, uh, what their reactions were. And what was, has been really interesting to see is how dynamic and how agile industry, especially our industry is and our supply base, extremely agile to deal with something that they had never dealt with before and to see the creativity, uh, not just in applied materials, but in our supply base on, on how they reacted to it, how they responded to it in order to keep industry moving. Yeah. And, and talk me through that. Uh, and maybe for somebody who's not um, as versed in supply chain as you are, I mean, tactically, really, what did you have to do um, to, um, to manage this? you know, when it turns to your suppliers that are under threat of closure. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think the best way to, to say it is, is that we, we had to respond. Um, at first, it was about reaction and responding when it went down in China and it started spreading. And so we had to respond very quickly. Just overnight, uh, our suppliers shut down. They were unable to go into their factory, primarily in, in, in China. And so we immediately had to set up war rooms and set, set up the right people within Applied and the suppliers having constant communications when, with um, our suppliers, even though they weren't able to go into the factory. And, and we began immediately making plans with the suppliers on how quickly they could start onboarding their resources. And every supplier uh, was in certain uh, provinces, certain states, certain countries, certain, certain locations that had different rules and regulations. And so um, every supplier responded differently. And, and, and what we saw at, at the beginning, it was about, I would call it inventory evacuation. As each of the suppliers, the first thing they did is they would just evacuate any inventory that they had um, that, that applied and you know other people in the industry needed. They began evacuating that industry, just get the back docks cleared, get it to the point of consumption. And, and then at, at that point, while that was happening, they were beginning to onboard their direct labor, onboard their indirect labor, and then we really saw the creativity at each supplier as they had to start developing ways to social distance and they had to start ways, uh, create ways to start um, uh, doing, doing tests as people came on site, uh, whether it's taking temperature or other things like that. And, and so uh, you see so many suppliers, every supplier has been impacted, Applied has been impacted in the way that we bring people on site each and every day. How do we social distance? What is the personal protective equipment that they wear? Um, how do we do contact tracing? Uh, all of that now is part of everyday life and probably will be for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been really proud of the way um, the companies here in Central Texas have managed that. And I, I really feel like they've moved um, out of crisis mode. And certainly this pandemic is still ongoing. We have to pay attention, but um, it, it seems like uh, the crisis is a little bit behind us. Do you, do you feel like that's true? Well, you know, it depends on what news channel that you're looking at, right? Um, I, I definitely don't believe that it is fully behind us. But with the, I mean, the, the virus is not behind us yet. But uh, the, the readiness, the preparedness of our supply base I think is going to be able to absorb any of the impacts that are coming. We're still going to struggle getting, uh, you know, airplanes or there's fewer planes flying, which means there's fewer, uh, less availability of freight. That will be an issue we'll deal with for the next, you know, year, year and a half or so. Um, beyond that, I think that that industry is ready to go. Industry mm -hmm. is very resilient. Capitalism uh, creates creativity. And I think we're seeing that. Do you feel like since the pandemic that people will be looking for a more diverse supplier base, um, not pinned to one geographic location? Well, sure. I mean, that, that's a, a great question. I mean, clearly over the last few years, the, the geopolitical issues around the world have gotten uh, to be m more significant and, and they have a bigger and bigger impact um, on the decisions that people make. In a company like Applied Materials, we're already quite diverse. And uh, we're, we have suppliers all over the world. We have manufacturing facilities all over the world. And so we are used to living in a world where our supply base is highly diversified. Um, uh, we're not dependent solely on one location. Um, we've done a lot of dual sourcing and things like that in order to uh, ensure that we have supply continuity. So I think for applied materials, there are new things for us to think about, new dynamics 
and, and, and it continues changing depending on which political party is in power in, in the US or Australia or the UK or wherever it may be. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, the geopolitical issues are becoming more and more and more important in how people do business. I don't think there's any end in sight for a while. And uh, we, we just need to get used to that. We need to be resilient and we need to be prepared for anything that can happen. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point there. One of the things I was curious about is, uh, you know, in, in 2019, obviously was not your typical year. There was a lot of uh, trade disruption, tariffs, and uh, conflict between countries that businesses really had to navigate. Um, do you feel like that disruption helped prepare us at all for what happened during COVID? Um, yeah, to some extent, absolutely. You know, I think that that uh, U.S. industry in particular, maybe industry throughout the world, got lulled into a little bit of um, uh, sense of complacency over uh, you know the '90s, the early part of the the 2000s as well. As uh, well, it, it seemed like there was just no end in sight and no real interruption uh, in, in doing international business. And um, then things began to change a little bit, and uh, over the last few years. And, you know, once again, I think that that will continue to be the case. Uh, I think, you know, once again, the last few years, clearly geopolitical issues has created, a, has gained a higher and higher level of focus for not just applied materials, but even smaller companies um, here in the Austin area that are trying to make decisions on where should they locate their next facility? Do they locate it here in Austin area? Do they go to Houston? Do they go to another state, another country? And, and all of those things have to be taken into account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, I'm curious on your take, you know, despite all these headwinds, pandemic, um, global trade situation, you know, what's your thoughts on the semiconductor industry and what's up ahead for the next couple of years? Yeah, so um, let, let me just start out by saying our CEO, Gary Dickerson, made a comment in a, in a, a public forum, an investor forum, just uh, maybe two months ago now. And, and he said wafer fab equipment will hit $100 billion by the year 2020, uh, 2030. Uh, we're only nine years away from that. And right now, when you look at um, consensus estimates, this year will be somewhere around the $58 billion range. Uh, last year was about $55 billion when you look at most of the, the experts that track this industry. So if you look forward and you say we're going to be a $100 billion industry in 2030, that's, that's nine years away, that means there is tremendous and very robust growth that's on the horizon. Um, that when you see what has happened over the last year, there's some dynamics that um, have been very, very, very interesting. Uh, so when you think about what happened, everyone suddenly started working from home, doing school from home. And when that happened, people start getting more laptops, start getting more, uh, more computers. They need a higher level of broadband at their house. Um, so work from home, school from home, it drove hardware. It drove, uh, yesterday I went to Best Buy to pick up a printer. No printers because everybody is buying printers for their kid at home to print their, their schoolwork out. So, um, so there's been a, 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 an extremely high level of demand for semiconductors over the last year. And now there's an appetite for that that will continue. Uh, I would assume at some point we'll all get back to work, but there will probably now be always be more of a work from home um, uh, content or flavor in the way we do business in the future than we have in the past. That's just one example. And when you look at autonomous cars, uh, look at Tesla, look at the other companies that are out there trying to develop autonomous cars. 
um, the, the future is extremely bright. When you look at artificial intelligence, you look at all of the things that are happening every day in our homes and in our businesses, there's more and more silicon content showing up each and every day. There is no doubt wafer fabric women, the semiconductor industry is going to be extremely robust. It doesn't mean it's going to be quarter on quarter on quarter growth every quarter. There will be some ups and downs, but um, things look very bright for this industry. Yeah, that's great to hear. And, and, you know, one of the things I've heard you say um, that I think is really unique and interesting about applied materials is, is that every piece of electronics, every electronic chip in the world almost definitely passes through a piece of equipment made in applied materials. Sure. Can you just talk about that for a second. Yeah, I mean, and, and I would encourage people who don't know applied materials very well to go out and do your own research about applied. But applied materials is uh, the largest wafer fabric equipment manufacturer in the world. Um, and, and one of the things that we bring to the table that, that our competition doesn't is just the diversity of products that we offer, uh, whether it's uh, PVD or ALD or Epitaxial or Etch or CVD. Uh, that's a lot of acronyms I just threw out there, but we have uh, multiple different business units and, and extremely broad base of products that we offer the industry. Um, quite, quite literally, it would almost be impossible to see any anything other than a, a you know a one-off chipper there that did not pass through an applied materials piece of equipment, uh, especially as we get into the more and more advanced nodes that we're experiencing now. Um, absolutely, applied materials is um, it's all it's the company that you you've never really heard of, but it is impacting your life each and every day in ways that you wouldn't even know of. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you know we're really proud to have you guys in Austin and uh, appreciate all the contributions you make. Um, let me take a step back and talk a little bit more about supply chain. Um, you know, one of the things that you mentioned uh, is the importance of continuity and diverse buyer base. Um, I know that, that you in particular have, or not you, but Applied Materials has some unique stipulations uh, and quality requirements. And specifically, I'm talking about, you know, copy exact. Um, can you talk about that? Maybe the challenges of that, um, that, brings upon you to, uh, to qualify suppliers quickly in a uh, potential sure. emergency situation. We're, when we select a supplier and we onboard a supplier in our industry, our goal is to onboard them for a long-term relationship. Uh, it's, it's very costly to bring on new suppliers. And, and when we do bring them on, we, we need them to be around for a long time. We want them to be around. Um, so we're always balancing copy exact. We're also balancing the fact that we need to ensure we have dual continuity of supply coming from uh, multiple suppliers. Um, those are, are two of the things that, that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and many of your, the listeners here today do business with Applied. They understand Copy Exact. They've been through the training and they understand um, the implications of it. Yeah, you know, one of the things you talked about was uh, being costly to um, add suppliers and to have that continuity. Um, you know, one of the things I've heard from other supply chain executives is that prior to COVID, you know, there was this real pressure to lean out the supply chain to make sure um, you didn't have too much um, diversity or, or, you know, more diversity than was needed. And um, the pandemic has certainly changed that philosophy. But what do you think moving forward? Do you think, um, you know, in the coming years, we're going to go back to lean supply chain philosophy? Or do you think things are changed forever? Well, you know, investors are investors um, and, and shareholders are shareholders. And uh, so I, I don't think business has fundamentally changed in terms of the fact that um, those investors and shareholders demand a certain financial performance from whatever company that they are invested in. 
Um, part of that is, um, is cash flow. Part of it is inventory management, asset allocations. Uh, I don't think that's going to change. Now, um, has, has the entire world, you know, the pendulum is always moving left and right. It never stops. And so uh, one could definitely make the argument that, we, that, that all of industry, the entire world became so reliant upon in JIT and leaning out inventory and ensuring that material showed up right when you need it, that there was very little opportunity for error. Um, and, and, and so many, and, and, I, and I feel that to some extent that pendulum has moved back to the right because we've seen interruptions that have taken place and we can see what those implications are to, to your customers. And so without a doubt, the pendulum is moving back in the other direction. How far does it go? How long does it keep going in the other direction before it swings back? I don't really know, but clearly for a time period here, we're moving a little bit further away from the JIT, the, that, that immediate consumption of inventory and, and decision. And we'll see where industry drives us as the geopolitical issues, maybe uh, we'll calm down. Um, you know, maybe that becomes uh, less of a concern, and we start moving more towards the lean, uh, the, the the lean principles that have been so predominant in our industries, uh, not just in our industry, but in all industries uh, around the world. But we'll see. It definitely is an interesting time. Hey, I think that's great insight, and Troy. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. We really appreciate your time. I'd also like to thank Texas Mutual for being our headline sponsor, and we'll see everyone else next time on the Manufacturing Austin podcast. <laughs>